Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front End Nationwide. This is the Athletics' dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portson with you. Allison Lucan is here. Hello. We have a special guest. We've been trying to get special guests. This is a very special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Rimmer. Rims, say hello to the folks. Hey, hello to you, gentlemen. And beautiful Allison, <laughs> one of my favorites on the beat. And... Uh, to all the, the listeners here, I would uh, hopefully see us all back at Nationwide Arena following Blue Jacket hockey before too long. Of course, Ooh. there are a lot of variables to make that happen, yes. but uh, ultimately that is uh, what everybody, and I mean everybody, wants. Yeah. Now, Rims, are you familiar with a British broadcaster by the name of Andrew Cotter? You may have seen his clips. He's been doing, like, play-by-play segments of his dogs, um, people in the park. Like, the guy's out of his mind trying to keep himself sane, doing play-by-play of life's events around him. Have you seen yeah. this? I'm wondering how you've seen him. How are you keeping your I've sanity? You've got Cody, Coco, and Kirby there. Are you, have you resorted to this? or How are you keeping your, your wits about you if you are? Well, uh, for one, I've got my wife keeping me uh, in tow, so to speak. Uh, the dogs have been great uh, with what we're looking at right now with the spas and the NHL schedule. I'm walking them uh, twice and sometimes three and four times a day, uh, and we take them all together, which uh, sometimes becomes uh, a bit of an issue. But uh, uh, for the most part, they are keeping me sane. And quite frankly, during the hockey season, obviously with my wife uh, and her health issues, she doesn't get to Columbus more than just a couple of times during the course of the season. So yeah. I kind of miss, uh, I miss the dogs and, uh, it gives me a chance to uh, catch up, 
uh, during this pause and, and obviously during the summer, which uh, may be a little bit different this year, we hope. Yeah. Now, there's been news in recent days here. It's been kind of perkling under the largely under the, the radar. I think the league is still trying to figure some things out, but they have requested from 12 different NHL cities uh, to make their pitch uh, as to why or how the city would host a sort of a regional event where several teams would go to one city and play. Um, you, Rims, like, what are you hearing on this front? You're, I know you're on the, the phone constantly. Uh, I've heard Columbus did make a pitch. I've heard the league's impressed with Columbus. There's a lot of things they like about it. What are you hearing as the possibility of Columbus being a quote-unquote host city for one of these regionals? Well, as an original subscriber of uh, your publication, The Athletic, uh, I uh, was made aware, obviously, uh, pretty good digging by uh, the reporters uh, at The Athletic, and, and I'm not surprised. The Blue Jackets are obviously in consultation with the National Hockey League, and I'm sure other teams as well on a daily basis. Uh, It's a situation where the Board of Governors meet every couple of weeks, and uh, obviously uh, they're keeping the NHL, at least all these teams, uh, uh, up to date. As far as the Blue Jackets are concerned, how can you be surprised? Uh, The Blue Jackets, as as an organization, the city of Columbus, uh, the fans have proven uh, with the uh, the playoff performances of the Blue Jackets and, and the fan support uh, this season, uh, almost uh, I believe a, a record number of sellouts. Of course, I'm talking about the fans here, and we still don't know really what's right. going to happen here moving forward. But the fact of the matter is, it's a world class facility, Nationwide Arena, and I'm not at all surprised that uh, it's on the list, so to speak. What happens here in the future? Obviously. We have to wait and see, but uh, it's an ever-evolving situation. But certainly Columbus is, is uh, a great National Hockey League franchise, and the city has uh, certainly put its best foot forward and obviously would be a pretty good choice, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, they've got, obviously, the, the practice rink is attached to Nationwide Arena. That's a big benefit because you wouldn't have to leave the building to practice. What's unclear to me, and there's, I don't know if the league has decided this yet, is would they want those teams all practicing and all staying, doing nothing but arena to hotel? Or would those teams that come to Columbus, would some of them be assigned to suburban rinks, say Chiller North, say Easton, where they would take over that rink, only them, there would be nobody else in it, and they would have that for their practice facility, and they would just come to Nationwide Arena for games. On, by bus, obviously, is another secured environment. There's lots of reasons that Columbus makes sense. You've got, you've got again the attached rings. So if they if they want to keep them close and together under the same roof, they could do that. You've got the obviously the Blue Jackets dressing room. You've got the visitors dressing room, both used for NHL games. You've got between the Blue Jackets room and uh, the home bench, there are two dressing rooms there, both with showers in them. So, theoretically, you could have four teams uh, between those rooms right there. There are four dressing rooms on the bench side of the ice house. I checked this the last couple of days. And the two of them, they each share one shower. So you could, you could put two more teams back there. There's six. You've got the high school rooms there in the ice house. You could get eight teams into Nationwide 
arena and keep them there in a controlled environment. I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm not sure how many other rinks could do that. Allison, that, that's impressive. What else about Columbus to you makes it a reasonable consideration for the league if they go down this path? Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, how impressive it's been that uh, what the what the government has done to control this outbreak and this pandemic affecting the state of Ohio. So the state has yeah. been able to go um, fairly unscathed, given what it could have been in terms of the impact there. So I think it's a good spot in terms of maintaining proper protocol for a, a healthy event. Um, and, and of course, the arena district, I mean, Players often already walk from hotels to the rink that doesn't have to involve a lot of transportation, going to a lot of places. There's there's food places nearby. Um, everything you need can be right there close by. Yeah. And maybe by then, who knows what the restrictions will look like. Maybe they will be sort of soft-pedaled forward a little bit, so maybe more more sort of things we're used to doing are possible. I'm thinking of it in terms of great restaurants. Uh, the hotels are close to the rink, and then you're thinking, well, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be about the great restaurants. I've been thinking, boy, the crowds would be really good. They'd turn out for that. Well, the crowds aren't going to be in the building there, smart guy. It's, so much of it's going to be different. Rims, how weird would it be to you, and we, you almost confronted this on March 12th, how bizarre would it be to... to do play-by-play of a game with nobody else in the building. Let me ask you that purely from nothing changing for you, sitting in the booth, doing a game, physically at the building with no fans there. How different would that be for you to do your job? It would be very different. Uh, I've never broadcast a game uh, without a crowd, obviously. Uh, It's a situation that uh, obviously I was preparing for, on March 12th. And as you recall, the Blue Jackets were scheduled to play the Penguins. And uh, the decision was made uh, in conjunction with the National Hockey League. The game would not be played. And of course, uh, uh, we went into the pause uh, that evening and uh, are still awaiting uh, word. And and obviously with all these scenarios and as time goes on with the evolving situation, I think we'll hear. But uh, back to your question, uh, it would be obviously very, very different. The one advantage that we might have, Jody <laughs> Shelley and I, and, and uh, of course, Jody comes into play here, too. Would Jody be allowed to be between the benches? Mm-hmm. Is that something, you know, that uh, the National Hockey League would allow? Uh, I will say this, that with no fans in the arena, we could certainly move down and we could uh, uh, certainly remain six feet apart and be in the lower bowl or, or broadcast from some other location, maybe the loge boxes. Again, you cannot overstate what a great facility Nationwide Arena is. And I would think that uh, if they allow you, line, I'm sure they'll allow Allison in the building, uh, she could move down to a, a more suitable location as opposed to being high above the ice surface. Well, I got news for you. If there are no fans in the building... We're going to have somebody close enough to do nothing but write down everything John Tortorella says because you'll be able to hear it from the bench. Woo! Well, I'll tell you, the other interesting thing, should there be games played and with no fans in the building, for television purposes, what about the effects mics? Right. You have a situation 
have a situation with no fans in the building that the effects might, and uh, you may not necessarily for family viewing uh, want to have those mics <laughs> at ice level, knowing the competitive nature of the players. You know what Fox Sports could do is they could have a Fox Sports, I don't know, X is a little heavy, Fox Sports Plus, <laughs> where if you have, if you want that, that's the channel you tune into. They would get much higher ratings, by the way, than the other. Or just Fox Sports Regular, where they would turn off those mics and clean it up for the people at home um, who, don't, who don't think their kids know those words. Well, from my perspective and uh, just a little bit of, of television technology, I like effects in my headset. Okay. Uh, it, again, this would be uncharted territory. It'll be difficult uh, from the standpoint of not having those effects because you want to be able to hear the ping off the post or off the yep. crossbar. You want to be able to hear the, the hit in the corner with uh, a big uh, left winger coming down and, and trying to turn uh, Zach Marinsky inside out in the corner. You want to have those effects, Mike's going. It's going to be an interesting situation here. And then what about crowd noise? Do you want to pipe in crowd noise? You know that there's no crowd there, but do you want the crowd noise there? What happens with the cannon? Right. The cannon go off after a goal. Hey, Rims, let me ask you this. You said move down. Where would Where is the ideal seat for you? If you could sit anywhere to call a game, where would you want to sit? Well, uh, one of the great things that uh, we, we, we have in our building is a great location. We're up high and we're close to the ice. Uh, in some rinks, particularly in Canada, with the exception of the new building in Edmonton, we actually hang over the ice. And there's a situation in one of the great ideas, and it was copied after Nationwide Arena was built. Uh, several other arenas built what you call loge boxes, and we have them on one side of the arena. I've sat in there on nights where we haven't televised, and that is, for me, the ultimate location to broadcast from. And uh, if uh, uh, we see the resumption of play, and I'm hopeful we will, and certainly uh, Gary Bettman and, and the National Hockey League want to see uh, the season unpaused, if you will, uh, I will uh, strongly recommend that uh, maybe they somehow facilitate uh, Jody and I at that location if he's unable to sit between or stand between the two benches. Now, I am prepared to pitch a fit. Allison, I know you'll be right there. If Rimmer and Shelley are allowed back in to broadcast oh. the game, but the print media or the web media, as it were, is not permitted, what an injustice that would be. Um, Rips, let me ask you this. I'll make sure you get the uh, Fox Sports Plus telecast. Then. Oh, <laughs> the one I you suggested. This, I think it's legitimately possible, though, and I, I, I think the league's going to do everything they can to make it as good as possible on TV. Of course they are. But I wonder, like, and this is a serious question, how difficult would it be for you to – I know broadcasters who have done this – to have to call a game off the screen – from a fixed location, not in the building. How? I mean, that seems unreasonable because the only question about that is you can't just show up and do the game. There are other people that are required. You have support staff, Rims. You're kind of a big deal. You've got support staff that have to make your job possible on a nightly basis. I just wonder if it's too much for the league and if you could be watching the game 
And I'm thinking back to the old school where they had sound guys with two pieces of wood, like for a, a baseball hit, they'd crack the hits together, like a sound effects guy. Um, <laughs> what could this, what could it be like rims in the worst case scenario here? Now, I, I believe what you're talking about is we'd have to do the broadcast from a remote location that we Correct. wouldn't be allowed in the arena. And I guess, you know, uh, again, this evolving situation, who knows what's going to happen. Now, I have done arena football back in my days in Florida wow. with, the, uh, the Panthers, with the Panthers. Part of my contract was that I had to do other events. And I did the uh, South Florida arena football schedule. And on occasion, because of my hockey commitments, I had to do uh, a couple of arena football games off a monitor. And it's not that easy. It's not that easy. And, uh, again, I would think to facilitate that type of scenario that we would have some some huge monitors uh, somewhere with a location, uh, be it in a Fox studio or uh, perhaps even uh, somewhere else uh, in the arena, uh, if by chance the Blue Jackets were to win a couple of rounds and weren't playing games uh, anymore, or at least road games, in their building uh, would have to uh, facilitate uh, somewhere else that they'd be playing. And uh, we might have to broadcast again, if it's uh, at that point uh, remotely from uh, somewhere other than in the arena. I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting situation how this all kind of falls together. And hopefully uh, we see the resumption of play. It seems to me that Giesenschlaw and Grand Pierre will have to get a bigger desk. Mm. Yeah, they would. They would. They'd have to be at least six feet social distancing. They'd have right. to be six feet apart. Yes, and it would be hard to talk with a mask on. <laughs> I never thought of that. You just, just keep bringing up these uh, ideas that, uh, yeah, would we have to wear a mask? Well, I just read Governor DeWine's uh, edict uh, for employees going back to work. They're going to have to wear masks. It'd be difficult to uh, wear a mask and broadcast the game. Although I've watched a lot of television here over the last six plus weeks into week seven here now. And you see several reporters that are around the country uh, wearing masks as they do their reports. Yeah. Wow. Um, we're, we're, we're being lighthearted about some of this, but there are, there are going to be significant and maybe long-term ramifications if this league comes back. Uh, whenever it does, I think there are for sure going to be ramifications. Now, the salary cap, unless they artificially push it up to where they thought it was going to be, or artificially inject money in it just to keep it level, I think that's clearly going to go down. Uh, and there are proposals. Agent Kurt Overhart speaking to the Athletics, uh, Craig. Custins. I was just going to mention that. I was just yeah. going to mention that. Now that's one, and and Craig is careful to point this out. Has got no ch- has no chance of of the owners approving. Now, it's an interesting. It's kind of like the CBA and the salary cap in and of itself. There probably are ten or twelve owners who absolutely would go for that because it would allow them to spend more money. There are the teams at the bottom, and let me just say real quick: the idea of Kurt Overhart, the the agent who's had several Blue Jackets players, including Brandon Dubinsky. Um, his proposal is for each team to be able to uh, sort of push one player off to the side and exempt them from the salary cap figure. So the Edmonton Oilers could say, Connor McDavid, you are exempt. 
and there's $12.5 million that they have to spend that they didn't before. The reason the owners will never go for this is because, of course, the largest contract is going to be chosen, and that's going to be 8 to $10 million bucks per team. You're talking $250 million there, I would guess, on the average. That's that. There's no way that that can happen. But what can the league do? I know this is a big question. What can the league do, and how severe do you think it's going to be, Rims, when this does come back? And could it benefit a small market team like the Blue Jackets, who are under the cap and could maybe could maybe be a an escape valve or a release valve for a team that I'm thinking of Toronto that's absolutely desperate uh, to make a move? Well, um, I, I I thought I saw the uh, Overhart uh, suggestion a little bit differently. Uh, not necessarily to spend the additional twelve on on Connor McDavid, but he'd be put in an exceptional category, which means that contract wouldn't be counted against the cap. So Correct. when the cap comes down, the when the cap comes down, uh, it becomes more of a palatable uh, situation. And I would think the teams would have that ability to do that if they wanted to. Well. Other teams may not want to do that, similar to what you see other teams not going to the cap. But if you wanted to, you could use that exceptional uh, player category to uh, to fit under the whatever the cap is going to be. Uh, I heard another scenario, and uh, I'll get to the Blue Jacket thing in a moment here, but I heard another scenario whereby you have a situation where uh, teams can... Let me explain this here the right way. I just had it at the tip of my tongue, and now it's gone here. But uh, let's get to the Blue Jacket thing, and then perhaps I can bring come back sure. to that other point. But uh, the Blue Jackets, you're right. Uh, they could certainly facilitate a trade where a team could not fit a player under under the cap. The other point I wanted to make that just come back into my mind here is uh, that they could average the cap situation over a three-year period. So it's not a direct blow in the first season as we get back to play in the 2021 season. So yeah. uh, I, I could see that happening where it's over a, a gradual period. These are all things that obviously the National Hockey League is going to have to work out. What I am excited about is if the pause uh, does come to an end, the Blue Jackets, and there will be other teams, of course, but the Blue Jackets will be probably healthier than they've been at any point uh, this season, maybe with the exception of the start of the campaign. Right. You see Seth Jones, Bjorkstrand. Uh, I understand that uh, Tessier is uh, in, in much better shape here now. Kukan apparently is skating now. The Blue Jackets could be a very, very healthy hockey club once this pause comes to an end. That's certainly another positive from where I sit. Yeah, for sure. Um, Allison, tell me what a nightmare it would be if you were a free agent coming this summer. Oh, I, I mean, this is and this is the problem with all this, right? I mean, everyone wants to see a season finish out for the story. The league obviously wants the revenue to help keep things going. But I mean, this is what I don't understand. And Jeff, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, too, because if you push all this back, you push back the opening of free agency, you impact possible trades at, at a draft. And then let's say that you are changing teams you are not necessarily getting the amount of time you might need. Let's say playoffs start in July. I'm just picking a random date and they end in August. You're not getting the normal amount of time you might want to be in the best shape to perform for your new team. 
right? I mean, that's what is yeah. crazy to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, guys, that, that's, that's a valid point. Yeah. Rims, what do you think of the idea of having the draft in June, rather the se- no matter if the season is over or not? Well, if you look at the success of the NFL draft this this week, and yep. it's the highest uh, it, it, it's the highest draft that uh, uh, in I, I guess in recent memory, if not uh, through the entire NFL draft. And what else do people have to do? And I thought the NFL did a terrific job with it. Uh, with hockey, you want to keep our National Hockey League and our sport out there. I, I have no problem with the draft being in, in, in June. Uh, and especially, I would think it would be held in a similar type situation to uh, what we just saw with the NFL draft. Uh, as far as uh, conditional draft picks, hey, these are strange times. They'll have to certainly work that out. It won't be to everybody's satisfaction. But uh, if teams have to decide if they're going to sign a player, they're going to have to make that determination. I guess one is to Foley. If Vancouver, mm. if Vancouver want to re-sign to Foley, they've got to give up a, a, a draft pick. I believe it's 46th to the Los Angeles Kings, the way it sits right now, based on the standards right. as, they, as they sit here right now. Well, guess what? They're going to have to decide. Vancouver, they may not like it having to decide earlier, but if that's the case, they're going to have to decide. And as I said, strange times make some uh, for some strange decisions and people aren't going to necessarily be happy. We haven't talked about what could be the playoff format. We haven't talked about what could be the, uh, the draft, uh, the draft order and well, right. the lottery. I mean, all these things are going to have to be determined, but you know what? It would put the national hockey league in late June in a very favorable position to uh, certainly attract some attention and keep hockey at the forefront before hopefully we see the resumption of play. And now if they have the draft before they have, well, it doesn't really matter if they have the draft or not before the regular season resumes. I want to see how they handle contracts that expire July 1st. Mm-hmm. If the season goes yeah. beyond July 1st. Well, they're going to have, they're going to have, they're going to have to work that out with the players association as Big well. Time. I'll go, I'll give you another one. And, and this is, <laughs> this is Jeff Rimmer's idea. Okay. Everybody wants to see player trades at the draft, right? And uh, I I think uh, somebody wrote it, and I believe it was in The Athletic and and one of the uh, uh, columnists' uh, stories or columns, if you will, that, uh, yeah, everybody wants to see trades at the draft. And how many times do we go into the draft expecting to see a a blockbuster deal and it doesn't happen? There have only been something like 10 trades over the last several drafts. Well, here's the Jeff Rimmer idea. Let's say you want to trade a player, all right? We're going to resume the season. The pause is over. We're going to resume the season. We're going to make a futures trade. I will give you Aaron Portsline for the next season, but he'll play for me in the postseason. And this is what I want, a third-round draft pick. What if he gets hurt, though? I was just going to say, well, what, kind of what, what, what if you what? What if he gets hurt? What if you what? What if you trade the yeah, player well, and then he gets that, hurt with his that's former a consideration. team? That's a consideration for sure. But what about these free agents that come back and play? Yep. And God forbid the player gets hurt. That's going to be a uh, unrestricted free agent or yeah. even a group two free agent. Here's one that I think is, is fascinating. It seems easy. Enough, <clears throat> excuse me. Easy enough on paper. A trade is made. If a player plays this number of games, X number of games, 
then this happens. Um, and there are all sorts of conditional trades like this. Player bonuses. Do you just, if a player has 19 goals, L.O. Pierre Luc Dubois, do you just prorate how many games he had played and say this is what the number would be and now he gets to that bonus or not? I think they would probably do that. The one where it gets really tricky, though, is the teams that had rookies or kids that they drafted played nine games for them. You're prorating everything else. If you prorate that young man's games played, his prorated games played is over 10, which means he has now burned the first year of his entry-level contract. So if they talk about prorating, 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 I will be really interested to see if they draw the line right there um, and what the PA might think about that. Here's another dilemma that I think has uh, deep, deep meaning here in Columbus. I, the sense I get, and I think the Blue Jackets get this sense as well, is if this league goes right into the playoffs, in other words, if there are no games leading up to what is counted as a playoff game, the Blue Jackets, though they hold the eighth seed right now, will not get the eighth seed because on points, the New York Islanders will have a higher points per game average than the Blue Jackets did. That, that will not sit well with a lot of people, but I think if you... I don't think people would think it's an intentional attempt to screw the Blue Jackets, but I think they would realize they, that would be a very tough pill to swallow, especially the way that this team has played this season. Let's discuss that first with you, Allison, and then we'll come back to sort of the flip side of that issue. But Allison, how tough is it? How BS is it if the Blue Jackets don't get in, based even though they have the eighth seed right now? Well, I think this goes back to to some of the points Jeff was making too, in that. Think about it now. If they do the draft in June with the current draft order, the Blue Jackets would draft at a spot for a team that was in the playoffs. But if they're not in the playoffs, they don't get to move up in the draft order if that's determined after the fact. So they have to figure out all of this stuff before anything happens. Like everything has to be figured out. Even if the draft is before the games, everything has to be figured out before the draft. Yeah, and go ahead. I mean, to, to that point, to the bigger higher level question though it would suck i mean there's just particularly this team and the way that this team had to come back and the national narratives i mean it would suck yeah and that that's the point i was making the other side of this and rims tell me about this so right now the blue jackets know that if there are no more games they are not technically the eighth seed if the season resumes so if the season doesn't resume and, and they don't play any more games, including the playoffs, and they go right to the draft, to Allison's point. Or if they have to show their hand at the draft and say, this is a lottery team, this isn't a lottery team. Should Columbus be pissed? Would they be rightfully pissed if they're deemed not to be a lottery team because they're a top eight team in the standings in terms of the draft, but they wouldn't be, termed, they wouldn't be considered an eight seed in the playoffs? Do you know what I'm saying? There's a double standard there. Oh, for sure. And obviously, uh, people smarter than us uh, will make that determination, but you can't have your cake and eat it, too. They're going to have to, it's going to have to be fair and equitable. If they make a decision one way, it's going to have to be fair the other way. But um, one other point uh, you mentioned no games go right to the playoffs. I cannot see a scenario, and this, uh, this is Jeff Rimmer speaking, <laughs> my personal opinion. You cannot, you cannot you cannot under any circumstances have these players go immediately into the Stanley cup playoffs without at least a few games. 
and the Jeff Rimmer proposal, and it's been obviously mentioned before, is yes, the Blue Jackets have played more games, so yeah, they're on the losing end of uh, the uh, uh, winning percentage that maybe the New York Islanders are, who play fewer games, but the situation would be, in my opinion, if you're not going to complete the season, then have everybody play the same number of games. And uh, if it's 72 or 74 or 75, so be it. But you cannot immediately start the playoffs without having some type of, uh, of hockey for these guys to play three or four games before the intensity rises to the point that we've seen in, in the playoffs. And it's going to take some time to get to that level anyway. I just hope they have time. I mean, time yeah. is going to be a major, major issue. And I, I, Porty, let me ask you this. How weird would it be? No. Let's say Columbus gets approved, picked whatever the heck as the Metro site, and the Blue Jackets aren't in the playoffs. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I have a thing about that, too. Like, but that matters less if there are no fans there anyways. For sure. It'd still be weird, though. But yes. It would be weird. It, yeah. would, be, it would be weird. What I wonder is how many yeah, fans would mill around the arena. Exactly. But guys, the game. With, with endless number of scenarios, we haven't even mentioned one of the other uh, possible scenarios is adding more teams. And mm-hmm. this is the last year, the way I understand it, this is the last year of uh, the players and obviously the last year of the CBA, uh, unless as part of this agreement, and I believe it could very well be, part of this agreement, there's a new 10-year CBA that the uh, league jointly announces in conjunction with the Players Association. But this is the last year of the playoff format as it is or has been for the last uh, few seasons. And the PA will have a decision moving forward in uh, determining what that future playoff format will be beyond this year. Not, Not to get ahead of myself here, but the talk in one of the scenarios is they add teams to the playoffs oh my and God. teams like Chicago and Montreal and the New York Rangers and uh, the Blue Jackets and New York Islanders and Carolina Hurricanes are also involved in the playoffs. And it's been lobbied. In fact, some of your colleagues in the athletic here, LeBron for one would like to see a situation moving forward, not talking about this particular playoff, but adding more teams. And here's a trial balloon that you can throw out there as one of the scenarios is to add more teams and just see how that works out. This is the year to do it. Oh my. I think I think half the league making it is, is that's almost too much for me as it is. I I just can't imagine getting it bigger. You You sound like the commissioner because up until this point, he's been one that's been against that as well. Well, I don't ever say that again. Really. <laughs> Why would you boo the commissioner when he presented the no, Stanley Cup? No, I have a very good relationship with the commissioner, and I think it's crazy that he, that's a whole different topic. I was going to say I think it's crazy he gets booed in some of the places he does get booed, especially Columbus, Ohio, which wouldn't have a damn team if Gary Bettman, like other sports commissioners, weren't willing to look in uh, so-called not major league markets and say maybe they deserve a chance. But I, I will. Uh, I'll move on here. I get worked <laughs> up about that one because there's lots of things to bag on that guy about. That's not one of them. Nashville should shut the hell up. Pittsburgh should shut the hell up. They'd be in Kansas City right now if it weren't for the commissioner. Um, anyways, uh, Jeff, you mentioned it earlier. We've got a piece running uh, Tuesday, later today, um, about the Blue Jackets players. So sort of kind of an update of, of where some of these guys stand. And 
one of the signs that I'm I'm reading, I'm not a I'm not necessarily that smart, but there's certain things that hit you hit you over the head. This is a telltale sign that maybe wheels are in motion, because the easy conversations you can have with certain members of the Blue Jackets about injured players have now become a little more difficult. Um, we're getting back to upper body and lower body stuff. We're getting back to t- to day to day rather than oh he should be pretty good in a couple of weeks. Now it's day to day, so they're starting to protect their uh, secrets as it is. But um, going going through here, Seth Jones, of course, had his ankle surgery uh, February 11th. He's been skating for a while. He should be pretty good to go, I would suspect, here within a couple of weeks. <coughs> Excuse me, that's a really good sign. I don't think anyone thinks the season is going to start in a couple of weeks, but at this point, whenever they start back up again. He should be good to go. We had Nathan Gerby on the podcast um, last week. Was that Allison? Yeah. A week. Okay. Um, he had surgery on on March 30th, double hernia, and both obliques repaired. Sometimes these guys describe injuries. I'm not even sure what the hell they're talking about. Um, but he says he should be good to go by the middle to late May. So he should be back and ready to go. Um, let's see here. Cam Atkinson was going to play in that game. March 12th yes, against he the was. Penguins. He's good yes, to go. Oliver Bjorkstrand had his surgery on March 3rd. So eh, three weeks after Seth Jones. So whenever Seth Jones is close to being ready, Bjorkstrand's about three weeks after that. So if this thing gets going by late May, early June, they could have Bjorkstrand back as well. Brandon Dubinsky, no progress is the latest on him. Uh, don't expect him. Uh, to be to be ready may not ever play again. Sadly, um, Alexander Texier stress fracture in his back. His recovery took longer than they anticipated, but he's been skating. I think the sense is that he's close to being able to play, um, and would be in that sort of questionable to probably range. Dean Kukan had knee surgery. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, he should be back. He's skating. Uh, I suspect he should be back and ready to go. And there's. One more here. How have I forgotten the one more? Um, Dean Kukan, Texier, Bjorkstrand. Josh. Maybe it's. Oh, yeah, that's the big one. That's the guy who probably won't be ready. Uh, Josh Anderson had surgery March 2nd. It's a four to six week recovery. So we're talking on the short end, he's July 2nd. On the late, on the far end, he's September 2nd. So I think it's probably unlikely that we would see Josh Anderson again, even if it resumes. But, Rims, you talked about this uh, earlier in the podcast. That could be a huge lift for the Blue Jackets to finally, this team that's lost over 400 man games, I think 426 was the final count, um, that they could finally for once be healthy and maybe look like a different team. Right. Oh, no, that would certainly be a plus, but uh, you could expect uh, other players on other teams that have been injured also set uh, and possibly return. Uh, you got Gensel possibly returning, their prolific left winger with Sidney Crosby. Uh, he, he suffered a shoulder injury. Apparently, from what I've read, he is close to returning or would be close to returning. And then uh, Dougie Hamilton, who uh, broke his leg against the Blue Jackets, right. Right. if you recall, the game in, in, in Columbus at Nationwide Arena, he also uh, is, uh, from what I understand, ready to return. So everybody's going to get their injured players back and perhaps a blessing, but nobody more than the Blue Jackets who suffered uh, really 
an unconscionable number of injuries over the course crazy. of the season. Yeah, it was crazy. Allison, anything to add before we let Uncle Rimmer go? Just glad to hear your voice, Rim. Stay safe and healthy over there. Well, you as well, and uh, I'll tell you what, uh, we're all hoping that uh, this pandemic uh, somehow, some way, uh, it's not going to uh, obviously disappear, but uh, with uh, the social distancing and other uh, uh, remedies, uh, testing and, and the like, that uh, hopefully we can have some semblance of normalcy here as we move forward. Rims, your voice still sounds velvety. I wonder if you're doing the honey lemon uh, tea you do every day during the season. Are you still taking care of your vocal cords? I am. I am not yelling too much at the dogs, and uh, my wife's got me on my best behavior, so I'm in good shape. <laughs> now, these are tough times for everybody. Have you had to dial back your spa visits, or where does that sit? <laughs> yeah, uh, hey, uh, we're not doing very much here. As I say, it's a couple, three times a day, if not uh, four, walking the dogs. Uh, I get up and do some exercise in the morning. I go on long walks, and not to, uh, to tease anybody, but uh, the weather here in Florida has been fantastic. And uh, I feel bad for my friends in Columbus because uh, I know it's been a miserable spring. Yeah, well, thanks. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> hey, Ribs, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. I guess I went longer than you expected me, huh? People can't get enough. I enjoyed it. Allison, you be safe. <laughs> say, hello, say hello to your husband. I will do it. And uh, Forty, Forty, I'm sure we'll talk. Thanks, man. Thank you.